1: plan savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary
2: from king mox sports the bases are loaded this
1: is the meyer jensen sports open line swinging along with the left meyer jensen a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off meyerjensen.com
2: he hits one deep to left field that's a grand slam for yadier molina
1: with special reports from Cardinals camp and the TRQ's
2: Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Great to be with you guys. No baseball today—that stinks. I hate those, man. I'm not even as a kid, there's nothing that I hated more. When like for my own stupid little league games, I hated rainouts. You get up all day, like I got my uniform ready, and because when I was like, you know, by the time I was like 11, 12, I was doing my own you know, like laundry for games because you know mom's working and. It's like, well, if you want to have a clean uniform, you're going to have to do it. And I wanted a thing to look like for reals, right? And there's nothing worse than like getting ready all day and then your game gets rained out. And I still feel that way now for major league games. Like I hate rainouts. Um, But obviously the team made the smart choice this morning because of what the forecast was this afternoon. And there was, we, did, we got lucky. We missed all the really, really nasty stuff, but we still had tons of rain. And they'll be making that game up. I think they said, what, May 4th or 5th? I don't know, something like that and look it's getting they're going to make it up in a few weeks but uh so we don't have a game to talk about today we will look ahead a little bit to the series in Milwaukee that starts tomorrow never too early to talk about the importance of a series uh, i don't think I and mean, i'm i'm not being i'm not kidding about that i, I think it's you know a, every head to head showdown between the cardinals and the brewers is going to matter uh every one of them is going to have meaning you know whether it's you know, April or September doesn't really matter. I mean, they they count the same in the standings, and these are this is the team that you're going head-to-head with. So we, we've we got meaningful games that certainly will be competitive over the course of the next four days up in Milwaukee. We'll take a look at the series. Uh, I want to talk about some of what we saw last night. How about Albert? That was cool, man. I'm not going to lie. That was cool. Like, I, I the, you know, the whole offseason, every time we'd get the people pounding the drum to, they should sign Albert, they should sign Albert. I'm like, hmm. Let's give the young guys a chance. Let's let's see what they can do. And really what ended up happening was we got the we got both of those things, right? In spring, the young dudes, and in particular Wanya I mean, look, it really was about him and, and Lars Newtbar for the most part, because I think it was always a stretch to think that Gorman was gonna make the team early, just given how young he is, um, service time issues, all that. I mean, that's not to say there wouldn't have been a scenario where he could have showed up and just blown everybody away. Well, that didn't happen, and it didn't happen for the other guys. So when you got close to the regular season and Albert was still out there, it's like, all right, well, now it makes a lot more sense because it doesn't make sense to have someone like Juan Yepes play, you know, once every five or six or seven days or whatever, or twice every seven days, whatever whatever it would have been. It makes more sense for him to continue his development in the minor leagues and give Albert this role. And last night we saw exactly what – You want to see from Albert. Now, again, all of us want to see 700 home runs, right? I mean, he needs 20 more after the home run last night. I I don't think there's a person in the region that doesn't want to see him hit home run number 700 in a Cardinals uniform. It would be great. But it is pretty clear that to get the at-bats against right-handed pitchers, he'll have to earn that. And he's obviously cool with that, or he wouldn't have signed here. Uh, pretty obvious that you know that that was something that he understood and he's okay with. Uh, otherwise, I you know he, he probably wouldn't be here at this point. But he you know he swung the bat pretty well. You know, opening day didn't have any luck, but he did hit some baseballs hard yesterday. Obviously, he hit the ball hard. Hit one, well, hit the first one into the seats. Followed that with a couple of other line drive singles. So you know you are seeing from him what you need to see, which is okay. The first start against a left-handed pitcher. He came up and he did damage. And it's super early, so sample sizes are everything in this. But he has hit the ball really hard so far. His average exit velocity on the balls in plays is 95 miles an hour. Major League average is 88 miles an hour. I mean, he's he's hitting the ball hard. So just to give you an idea of what that average exit velocity is relative to the league right now, it's in the top 9% of hitters. So he's he's hitting the ball hard. That's a good. It's a good sign, but it's such a small number. It's only nine at bats, nine plate appearances. That doesn't tell us that this is a thing that's going to continue. It just means that early on, you're seeing what you need to see from him to say, okay, maybe we will give you more more opportunities. And if the teams had played today, if the Cardinals and Royals had played, it was going to be Adam Wainwright against Zach Greinke, and uh, Oliver Marmol had said. Albert's going to play against Greinke. He said that last night in the postgame. And it's because they have history and, and Albert's had some success against Greinke. And that's another part of, you know, kind of picking and choosing his spots. But anyway, you know, last night was really cool. The first home run he's hit in a Cardinals uniform since the 2011 World Series. You know, his first at-bat as a, against a lefty starter. He puts it in the seats. You know, got a, got the uh, curtain call after the home run. I mean, that was that was really cool. That he and Yadi celebrating in front of the dugout after the home run was really cool, and and more than just cool, it mattered. I mean, it was you know it was a big spot. It's early in the game. He came up right after Nolan Arenado, who had hit a two run shot of his own, and then Albert followed it with it with his home run, and then again came up with more hits as the game went along. So that was cool from last night. Really enjoyed that. Um, we had a few other things that I, I did want to touch on related to last night's game. And, you know, that that's the first one on the list. I mean, I think that was kind of the fun story of it all. But it was more than that. You know, I mean, like, seeing Jordan Hicks throw a couple of innings and look really solid. Now, you know, the first at-bat was a little concerning. It was It was Cam Gallagher. It was the number nine hole hitter, the backup catcher for the Royals. And he got up on him 0 2 and then let him get away, End up walking him after an 11 pitch at bat. And give Gallagher some credit, man. He fouled off some good pitches. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, when you're facing a guy who throws 100 with movement, it's not easy to do. So that first one was like, oh crap, 11 pitches to the first guy and he walked him. Not great. That could be a short night. But then everything after that happened super fast. He only needed 16 more pitches total to record six outs. That's crazy. And that included two strikeouts. So, you know, there were a couple of, you know, first and second pitch outs, but he obviously struck out two batters in there. Uh, the velocity was good. You know, he he threw like the seven hardest pitches in the game last night, or maybe it was the 10 hardest pitch. I don't know. He threw all of the, the ones, he, and he was topping out at 99, 99 and a half, sitting at 97, 98. And that may be part of the new plan is to not go out there and try to throw 103 all the time. You know, I mean, the harder you try, the more likely it is you're going to get hurt. And by that, I mean not harder you try in terms of focus and, you know, trying to win. But the harder you, the more effort you put into the delivery, the more likely it is you're going to hurt something. But it was good to see him go out there and go to... now, that's the idea. You saw what you saw last night, right? You saw two innings. He could have gone back out there. He only threw 27 pitches. You could have easily asked him to go out there and go and, and continue further, but at that point, you're in a three-run game. You're probably going to want to go to your bullpen guys that, that you're going to count on to protect those leads. Now, the guys that came in, Whitgren and Cabrera, each gave up a run, so it got a little tight, uh, but Gallegos got the save. But I thought it was good to see Jordan Hicks in that setting. I don't think there's any question... That if he looks like he did last night, he can easily give you two, three innings in these games that he's going to be starting in the month of April. And of course, you know, he's, he, he probably stays in that role until Jack Flaherty is a more reasonable option. But if he can go out there and get you one time through the order, the way, you know, it, it's similar fashion to what he did last night. But you come out, you throw two or three innings, you keep it shut out ball, you get your team off to a good start with 15 pitchers on the staff. And then you can kind of mix and match. I think that's a, it's a, and it's an interesting philosophy. It's not something I think you'd want to do for six months. I think it's hard to do that for six months. But those are a couple of the takeaways from last night. The game was a hell of a lot of fun with six home runs. Um, the Cardinals coming out with the win, seeing these really cool extra stories. Nolan Arenado staying hot. He's one of the hottest hitters in Major League Baseball to start the season. It's always a great sign. Coming up next, I want to talk more about the Brewers series. But man, we're loaded tonight. There's so much. So much that I want to talk about, and that includes the Blues, by the way. I got some Blues talk coming up next hour, too. Good win for them last night, and uh, some really good developments. Tori Krug coming back and scoring a goal. So we'll get to more Blues coming up next hour. Uh, Later this hour, I want to talk about Clayton Kershaw. Did you guys see that today? He got pulled after seven innings of a perfect game at only 80 pitches. But there's more to the story than that, so stick around with that. And I also have a bigger picture question about this trend that baseball is on toward these types of decisions. We'll get to that later on. And we got to talk a bit about uh, Mike Schilt later in the show, too. What a weird situation last night. And I hope as many people see today's follow-up story as saw the story last night that had the headline that Schilt's comments had a, quote, racial undertone to them. We'll explain it in case you don't know the story. We'll explain it. He was getting into it with some guys on the Giants bench, including their first base coach. Tell you about the whole details on it and what happened today in that and we're going to talk some unwritten rules too. So plenty to do today. More on the Cardinals Brewers series next up on KMOX.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries. So,
3: put the spring back into your step and into your home too. shop blinds.com right now and save up to 45% up to 45% off for a limited time at blinds.com blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply
2: all right wednesday night on sports open line a lot of baseball for you strike zone next hour Get some good big picture baseball topics, too, with some of the stuff in the news. We get into the Mike Schilt story at the top of the hour. A story, by the way, that really shouldn't be a story. I'll explain the details in case you haven't seen it. We'll explain that coming up in a little bit. Uh, let's take a look ahead to the series in Milwaukee. Uh, and again, n- not not trying to blow it up, not trying to make it into a large deal. Um, Because I, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, games against the Brewers head-to-head are a big deal. Whether it's April, May, June, or September, doesn't matter. These games are a big deal. This is the team that you're expecting to battle for the division crown with. And you have to think of it, from our perspective, we have to think of it as the Brewers are the defending division champ, and the Cardinals are the challengers, so the challengers are the ones that are going to need to step up. And it's going to be an interesting series. So tomorrow's game is going to be opening day for the Brewers, their home opener. And you're going to have Adam Wainwright for the Cardinals, who will handle all of that perfectly fine. Whether he pitches well or not, it is not going to have anything to do with the ceremonies and whatever delays there might be or anything like that. But Adam Wainwright will be going up against Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff off to a really slow start, but we know how good he is. I mean, this guy's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. So you got a tough matchup there. Miles Michaelis against Freddie Peralta on Friday. Now, obviously, tough matchup there. Freddie Peralta was an all-star last year. On Saturday, Steven Matz is now the Cardinals' scheduled starter. And then Adrian Hauser is starting for Milwaukee. And then on Sunday, the Cardinals have not announced a starter yet. And Aaron Ashby, the left-hander, will be starting for Milwaukee. He's a really he's talented man. He worked in the pen. You might have seen him last year working in the pen for the Brewers. Um, he's really talented, throws hard, good movement, good breaking ball, all that. So you're gonna have a tough weekend when it comes to pitching matchups. And what we have to see with the Cardinals here is how much they adjust, right? So they had to adjust based on today's rainout. So Wainwright was supposed to go today, which would have meant Michael is tomorrow, Matt's on Friday. And originally what what uh, Oliver Marmol said last night was that Jordan Hicks was gonna start Saturday. And then, of course, that would mean Dakota Hudson on Sunday. Well, now it's a little bit jacked up. So now it's Wainwright tomorrow, Michael's on Friday, Matt's on Saturday. And the question will be, do they come back on Sunday and go with Jordan Hicks and then have Dakota Hudson start Tuesday, which is going to be a lot of extra rest? Do you do on Sunday exactly what you did today? You have Dakota Hudson start the game with the plan being that Jordan Hicks is the next guy. And you set it up so that you can get him in there to start an inning and treat him like a starter. You know, yesterday when he was warming up, he wasn't going fast. He was doing it exactly like a starter would. And the plan was they were going to get him in to start as as he's starting an inning, so not coming into a jam, not coming into the middle of things. I think if if uh, Hudson would have been in the middle of a jam, I think someone else would have come out there and finished that inning, and then and then Hicks would have started the inning next because they're trying to get him into that kind of a routine. So. I'm pretty sure the way I'm reading this, and again, this is not based on anything that anybody with the team has said, but just kind of thinking logically with an off day on Monday, you're not going to want to push back Adam Wainwright. You want him to start every game that he can right on schedule. So if he pitches tomorrow, then he would be on schedule to start on Tuesday. And yeah, and, and yeah, that, that would be the idea. And that's a game against the Marlins. And then obviously if he starts on Tuesday, uh, he would be able to get a start twice next week. So he would be able to start Tuesday. And then you go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He'd be able to go sun, Sunday again against the Mets. Or is it the Reds? I think it's the Reds. That's right. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It's one of those two. <laughs> Either way... He would be able to go Tuesday and Sunday. It is Cincy, right? Yeah. And I think that's what makes sense. I think you want to make sure that especially Adam Wainwright goes every fifth day. He's your most reliable guy. He has been for the last couple of years. And, you know, obviously you want to put, you want to rely on him wherever you can. And he's, he's pitched, he pitched well the other day. So you would certainly like to see him pitch on his regular turn. And it is probably best to keep. Wainwright, Michaelis, Mats, and Hudson on their regular turn. So I don't know. It might not. You might end up where you know Hudson doesn't make a start in this series. I'm sorry, Hicks doesn't make a start in this series or the next series. You might put him in the tandem with Hudson again on Sunday in Milwaukee. So I guess we'll see about that. I'm sure that they'll they'll have some more ideas, more clarification on that uh I guess maybe tomorrow in the pregame. So we'll look forward to trying to catch that before we go on there on the air with the pregame show tomorrow afternoon. But you have a a Milwaukee team that's off to a middling start and I don't think you make anything out of that. Like, you know, the Cardinals being 3 and 1, uh the Brewers are currently 2 and 3 in there, but they're playing they're playing Baltimore tonight, so they'll probably be 3 and 3 by the time uh the series starts. They're already up 2 nothing there. And they're an interesting team, the Brewers are, and obviously, because you know they've got the great front end of the rotation. You know you've got the great back end of the bullpen. The questions for them will be their defense and their lineup. You know, And they're, they're better defensively this year than they've been coming into recent years. Like Willie Adamas was a nice upgrade defensively at shortstop. That'll be good. Hunter Renfro now in right field is an elite right fielder. He, he's fantastic defensively. Um, You know, they, in, in center, you're probably looking mostly at Lorenzo Cain, but they'll have a few other guys in there. I'm not sure that Cain is a top-end defender anymore. Uh, they have some questions defensively behind the dish, but nothing terrible. And, you know, when Colton Wong's in there, you've got a goal glover at second base too. So, you know, they're a better defensive team than they've been in the past, but they still have their questions. And I still think that we we I'm not sure yet what to make of their offense. You know, some of it's going to depend on uh, ultimately on what Christian Yelich ends up being. Is he the power threat, or even close to being the power threat that he was in the past? If he is, well, then you're looking at, you know, I think a different looking lineup. But you know, they're going to be counting on McCutcheon to be their everyday DH, uh, or at least regular DH. And I'm not sure that that's a big, big impact bat. Um, well, I, you know, I think there's a question to be answered about what Willie Adamas is will he be the guy that he was last year with Milwaukee, which was a really really good hitter or is he gonna just be the solid hitter that he was before that when he was with Tampa? Um, you know, does Runfro hit against righties? Uh, what's Keston Hira? you know he's not off to a screaming start, but it's too early to be judging anything like that. Is Rowdy Tellas really an everyday player He's got power. he's got patience so maybe. So yeah, we'll we'll be figuring out their lineup. I think that's that's their biggest question, Mark, is will the middle of their order have enough? A lot of that has to do with Christian Yelich. And if you look at and and again I am really really hesitant to do this, but I'm I I can only go by what we have right now. And in in the spring, Christian Yelich did not hit for much power. And keep in mind that when you're playing in Arizona in spring training, power is just easy to come by. Like the ball really carries out in Arizona. So the question for him is going to be just like what level can you expect of him? Is he going to be the guy that they really need him to be or not? That That's the biggest, to me, the biggest kind of, turning point for that lineup. If he's something close to the Christian Yelich that was an MVP, all right, maybe not the 40-homer guy, but let's say a 30-homer guy. If he's that, it changes the look of that lineup quite a bit, and it takes less of the requirements off the other guys. So that's where we sit going into the weekend. Good pitching matchups. I think if you weigh these two teams, you've got to give the Brewers the edge in the rotation with the top three guys. Uh, You give them the edge at the very back of the bullpen, and they have some depth to their bullpen, too. Like, you know, you got a former closer in Boxberger that works as a setup guy. You know, I'd say that the Cardinals' depth of the bullpen is as good as Milwaukee's depth, but Milwaukee's final two dudes, uh, you know, let's call them their final bosses, are as good as it gets in the game. I mean, as good as Gallegos is, he's not Josh Hader. As good as Cabrera is or any of the other guys working along with Gallegos, It's not Devin Williams. I mean, they're they're pretty killer there. But the Cardinals have the better lineup. The Cardinals are the better defensive team. And it should be an interesting four-game series starting up tomorrow night. All right, coming up next, I want to talk about Clayton Kershaw. He was pulled from a game today, seven perfect innings, 13 strikeouts, 80 pitches, and he was taken out of the game. And this has old-timers going crazy. Reggie Jackson's yelling on Twitter. Fergie Jenkins is yelling on Twitter. And I don't think they're entirely wrong, even though this particular decision might be the right one. I'll tell you what I mean by that next up on KMOX.
3: If your day sounds like...
2: We need the
1: report ASAP.
3: You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medellin, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer reported by Crown Report, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates.
1: The Midwest League home run leader.
2: Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month.
1: Deep left field. It's gonna go. Alvarez
2: ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier
1: Molina. Yeah!
2: with special reports from Cardinals camp and the TR Hughes Holmes Broadcast Center. This is Sports Open Live on KMOX. All right, let's talk about, I think, a a significant issue in Major League Baseball. And I don't mean the decision that was made today to remove Clayton Kershaw in the middle of a perfect game. He threw seven perfect innings today and was removed from the game after 80 pitches. Now, I think that this is a sign of something that is a problem in Major League Baseball. I don't think that this particular decision is as terrible as it seems, especially when you listen to what Kershaw himself had to say in the postgame. And I'm going to play that for you in a second. But I, I think there's a bigger issue here that needs to be talked about because I think it's something that will end up doing damage. I think, in fact, I think it's already doing damage in Major League Baseball. And it's the emphasis on efficiency above all else. We got to protect these guys. We got to make sure that. We're, and look, I think you have to protect guys. But look, Kershaw's not young, man. He's near the end. And I get you want to preserve your starters and try to pack them in bubble wrap and make sure that they don't get hurt, but they're getting hurt anyway. Even, even in an era where we're more careful than ever with how many pitches a pitcher is throwing. We're asking most of them to throw them with more effort and throw harder. And that's where you get hurt. One of my favorite people to talk pitching with over the years has been Leo Mazzoni loves talking, pitching, He's, he's a great talker in general, great to have conversations with, and I can't even count the number of times that when I've had the opportunities to speak to him, he, he repeats the phrase over and over, throw more often with less effort. And that's really how they built that Braves rotation with Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz. And, and look, those guys, not everybody can do what those guys did. I mean, they're Hall of Famers. So, yeah, you know, we, it's, it's really tough to com- compare Hall of Famers to everyday players. But the philosophy is is right. Like the harder you try to throw, the more likely it is you're going to hurt something. It's why guys like Noah Syndergaard get hurt. And so you know, I mean, it's, you're going to get hurt at some point as a pitcher. Sometimes it's mechanics, sometimes it's overuse, sometimes it's overthrowing too often. So I get it, okay. But I think that the major league baseball emphasis on efficiency. And being super conservative with players and with pitchers' health in particular is a problem in this sense. Nobody's tuning in to see the most efficient team. Nobody's tuning in or going to the ballpark to follow what the analytics department finds about what would be maybe a better way to do things. People are want the people want to be entertained. A perfect game is history. What have there been? Twenty perfect games in the history of baseball, going back way more than a hundred years. I mean, I I think this is. It you got. I think baseball's got to find a balance. You've got to. There's twenty three perfect games in history. Twenty three, going back to the eighteen hundreds. And that's the kind of thing that baseball is losing. It's losing some of those special type achievements. We're never going to see another 300-game winner. And maybe that, you know, I, I, I do agree that, you know, wins are a completely overvalued stat for an individual player. They are the only thing that matters for a team, of course. But how do we balance entertainment, which is what sports are all about, right? Entertainment should be number one. Because if you're not entertaining people, they're not going to come back, and they're not going to keep tuning in. So for everything that we talk about, all these problems in baseball, the pace of play is too slow, there's too many strikeouts. Look, all of those things are valid. But what baseball needs more of is the wow factor. You need things to put your sport top of mind, which is something the NBA has in spades. They have it nonstop, end to end. You've got wonderful players that do amazing things on the court. You got people filling up half-court shots. You've got buzzer beaters. You've got you know, the NFL has all of that same stuff. And baseball basically now has home runs. And, you know, the these history making things like a perfect game, are going by the wayside because people have artificially decided that a certain number of pitches, funny how it's a nice round number of 100, nothing says random like a perfectly round number. Why isn't it 92? Why not 111? Why not 117? Why not 81? Why is it a round number? Because humans are dumb and we like round numbers. So while I understand today, and I want and I want you to hear Clayton Kershaw's words on this because a lot of people are upset about the decision, and I, I understand it. I think there's a correct, larger point there that the sport is sacrificing entertainment value for efficiency, and efficiency is boring. Now efficiency is great, by the way, if you're the fan of the Dodgers and the Dodgers are not only efficient, but they spend a bazillion dollars on their team, and they're going to win 100 games every year. You don't care about any of that other stuff. Your team's winning 100 games every year. That's fun. But you're still selling an entertainment product. You need the big explosions. You need a car chase. You need a fist fight. You need an action sequence every once in a while. You can't just give us on Golden Pond all the time. You ever see that movie? Don't. <laughs> Don't. It's old and boring, which is the problem with baseball. See, the reason I mentioned on Golden Pond, it's about these old people who are living on a pond. And the craziest thing that happens in there is the lady says, she calls her husband. You old poo. Like that's it. That's the craziest thing that happens in the whole thing. That's what baseball's problem is at the moment. I love baseball, but we got to stop. With the efficiency over everything. You need to entertain. Entertain overall. You want to draw kids, make your damn game fun. You want to keep people that are on the borderline? Give them memorable events. So overall, I think that the point that's being made here by a lot of people. And again, I saw Fergie Jenkins. He was basically like, if I had a perfect game in the seventh inning, I don't care if my arm is falling off. I'd roll the ball up there. If I, You're not taking me out of that game. And Reggie Jackson's on Twitter just trashing the Dodgers. And I understand where they're coming from. Now, in this particular case, it's a little bit more understandable. Because of the lockout, because of the specifics around Clayton Kershaw, it, it, it's a more understandable problem. He's only built up to 75 pitches before today. He never went six innings before today. He's, he was he was behind in terms of that because of the lockout. So, yeah, he's at a little bit extra risk. And he was okay with being taken out. I don't have time to play this because I've rambled too long. I'll play it in the next segment. But he he was okay with it. But I don't think that means that the larger trend in this direction is okay. We'll finish up and I'll let you hear a little bit from Kershaw next on KMOX. X. All right. So while we're talking about this moment of missed history with, with Clayton Kershaw and, you know, the baseball, a lot of, a lot of folks in the baseball world, not happy with this idea of a pitcher being pulled in the middle uh, of a perfect game, which is again, I think a valid complaint overall in this particular case though, there, there may be a little bit more to it that makes sense. Um, and here's a, here's a little bit of what Kershaw had to say after the game uh, about how his performance went, but also about the decision to get him out of the game.
4: After the you know game last night, how late it was and the quick turnaround, and um, I knew everybody was grinding except me. You know, I, I got a good night's sleep, so I was ready to go. And um, you know, you just try to put your team in a good spot. So you know, kept pounding the zone, throwing strikes, and. It worked out today. It was good. Yeah.
0: You had 80 pitches. I know a lot of the fans wanted to see you finish the game. What was the conversation with Dave Roberts in the ultimate decision to
4: come out? Yeah, it's hard. You know, I feel bad for uh, for Barnsey. You know, Barnsey did such a great job, and it's fun to get to catch one of those. And so I, I wanted to do it with Barnsey. You know, um, it'd be special. And but at the end of the day, those are those are individual things. Those are those are selfish goals, and we're trying to win. You know, and um, that's that's really all we're here for. And. As much as I would have wanted to do it, I've I've thrown 75 pitches in a sim game, you know, and I hadn't gone six innings, let alone seven. And um, sure, I would have loved to have do it. But, um, you know, maybe we get another chance. Who knows?
1: In the moment, can you reconcile all of that? Yeah. There was no part of you that wanted to fight to stay in or anything? I just
4: said, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have stayed. But bigger things, man, bigger things. So...
2: You know, there, there's, there are two ways to look at that. I mean, one, certainly the player is not likely to go out and trash his manager even after something like that, right? I mean, Clayton Kershaw's a pro and he's a veteran. He's not going to do that. So even if he disagreed with the decision, I'm not sure he would come out and be as brutally honest about it as a lot of us would like. But also he made some really good points. Hey, I had only gotten up to 75 in a sim, sim game. I hadn't gone six innings yet, let alone seven, and he was already at seven. So while... Technically speaking, this may have been a "quote unquote" correct decision that he wasn't physically ready to do more. I do think the bigger picture here is important to discuss, and I'm not going to do what a lot of people are doing on Twitter and it's like this is criminal. You should be you go to jail for this. And and Reggie Reggie Jackson t- tweeted said what the said what's this game coming to one of the era's best and you take him out with a perfect game in the seventh seven nothing dodgers winning take him out this is baseball please people that have never played get out of its way well i mean the manager played guy like dave roberts was a big league player and he made the call now here's the thing that people will be mad about People will say, no, 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 Dave Roberts gets all of his information from the analytics department. The Dodgers make these decisions as an organization. And he famously said last year, hey, I only have one vote. So maybe what Reggie's implying there is true. Maybe there are too many people interfering in this that didn't play. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing because a lot of people who played think dumb things, and we have to remember that, right? Right? I mean, long-time players are like, no, I swear, the fastball rises. It can't. It doesn't. It's impossible. It's physically impossible. But I do think the bigger conversation here is about the entertainment value of your sport in a world where the entertainment competition is so much greater than in any previous generation. When you have a chance... To make history. When you have a chance to be the top sports story of the day, you gotta give it a shot to happen. So if Clayton Kershaw has a back problem or a sore arm after going 95 or 100 pitches in a perfect game, is that worse than not dominating the headlines and not being out there on the forefront? I'm telling you guys, it's a big problem. There was another message sent through some of this that I thought was interesting. I want to get to that message next up on KMOX.
1: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month.
0: New iPhone 15s? It's better
1: over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.